This is the Dorkside News Network, and this just in. That's what they do. We just and, wait in the shadows and record. Okay, go, go, go. We just started recording, so I'm sure the neighbors are, are like, okay, yeah. great. Now yep. bust out the... Uh, the leaf blower again, yeah. like last week. Yeah. Are we recording in the, the, the podcast, too? Can they hear us? Oh, yeah, it's live. Oh, okay. This well, is all going up. That's good. I'm, uh, yeah, we got to love these cold open. That was a really good cold open that time. Where I was at. Is it a hot open? Is it a warm open? You it's a hot it? mic cold open. I don't know. Maybe. It's lukewarm at this the, point. The lukewarm open. Uh, okay. Well, hey, guys. Uh, this is the Dorkside News. And uh, if you're not familiar with us, we do news. And um, yeah, I'm James. I'm Richard. And we have a special guest. We're doing our first collab video today. We have Dave from Back to the Classics. What's, uh, what's yours about? So we talk about movies from 20 years ago. Um, we literally take a, a list of movies and put out a schedule like a year in advance and uh, talk about movies that ba- that we try to hit it on the day that was actually released. Sometimes we kind of have to play around with the schedule of just saying, okay, well, two really good movies released and then, you know, Clueless released on this day instead. Yeah. So we're not going to, I'm not, unless I'm bringing in a female, I'm not going to talk about Clueless. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, if you guys are familiar with our format, we do news first, and then we we just talk after the news. And our talk after the news this time is our top five '90s movies, which I felt was appropriate to to go with your with your channel. And um, I didn't tell Rich or Dave this yet, but I also have the top five from Rotten Tomatoes, and we're gonna see how many of our movies made the Rotten Tomatoes top five list. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, oh, I don't. I don't. I don't think any of mine did. <laughs> I'm already looking. I'm like, yeah, I, I failed at this game. It was so, my own so, game. So I got to ask about the criteria on that. Are we talking what critics scored or are we talking overall box office? Are we talking about We're going with, score? with the article I found that said top uh, okay. 140 movies. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> so I don't know what, our, what criteria they used, but I mean, I feel like the top five that they picked are very good top fives. So Okay, we'll see. Um, so yeah, we'll start with our news. Um it's Tuesday uh, after Thanksgiving, and Black Widow's trailer dropped. And kind of a surprise, right? There's yeah. no, nothing, no reason for it. There's no reason. It didn't happen during a football game. No. It didn't happen during well, really anything. It just came out. I think it came out last night, actually, and it was like 8 p.m. And I just saw it. I was like, "This is a weird time to drop," but it's it's out. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of stuff in it. Uh, the one thing I noticed, I don't think it's really that big of a deal, but I was proud that I noticed it. Um, the I can't even say the opening Marvel logo because it's not even in the opening. It's two minutes into the trailer or however long it is. But the Marvel logo is actually Black Widow's logo that they just kind of superimposed on it. That's deep. That was pretty cool. Instead of the page flip or... Yeah. yeah, Right. It was like the page flip and then it melded it into the logo. You know, Marvel does their thing. Yeah. Um, We also... You pointed out that I think we saw Taskmaster. Yeah, very briefly. It was like for like two seconds. And uh, had the traditional bow and arrow, which Taskmaster is known for. But I'm curious to see what they're actually going to do with him. Because Taskmaster has a very unfriendly movie way of... uh, (laughs) Like, it's kind of tough to kind of show his powers. Like, you would just say, oh, he fights just as good as Black Widow. Okay, no, I need to see, like, Spider-Man, like, web-sling coming out and and stuff like that. Because he literally, as, as soon as he sees your power, he can copy it. And it's, it's, we've had an argument about this one too. Like, uh, I think it was a long time ago when we were talking about Mm -hmm. Taskmaster being first announced. So Taskmaster can fight any which way he sees you fight. He doesn't get your superpower though. So he's 
Not as strong as the Hulk, but if the Hulk were to throw cars at you, if he can he find a way, throw cars. Yeah, he can't right. throw cars. So, I mean, in the comics, Taskmaster is uh, classified as a mastermind. Mm-hmm. He's he is a tough opponent for any street class superhero. Yep. Um, he doesn't he doesn't compete with the X Men, right? He's he's. I mean, he might be able to fight Wolverine or somebody who's purely physical, but he doesn't have enhanced reflexes. He's just uh, what they call peak human. Unless, just like where Captain America used to be peak human, <laughs> and now he's now he's a he's a superhero. I mean, <laughs> he's he, he's not peak human anymore. No, he's he legitimately rip, like yeah, he can rip doors off cars and stuff. I mean, he's <laughs> right. ridiculous. So if uh, if Taskmaster is another person who's been gifted with the superhero serum, then all bets are off now. Yeah, now he can probably compete with the big boys. Yeah, total total super total appropriate villain for Black Widow though. Yeah, uh, it, it is because uh, I mean skill. Yeah, Black Widow is supposed to be a get out of any situation that she gets herself stuck in, but now you have to fight against anybody who could, or the person who could fight literally any which way he can think of. I mean, is it really fair? I mean, this is Black Widow; she can wield Mjolnir. I mean, I guess that, but she doesn't have Mjolnir. She just can, yet. right? She can, but, but she maybe can. she does. Remember, Mjolnir went back in time. I don't even want to get into that. That's a whole time travel episode. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> um, and then the last thing that I think everybody noticed was Red Guardian was shown finally, and I I'm almost positive that it was not intentional. It was something they always thought that they were going to do, but the Red Guardian is Russian, and it it just so happens to be David Harbor. Yeah. who was in Stranger Things, and we all know that he didn't like the Russians. <laughs> so now he is one. And, um, and probably he was captured by the Russians. Yeah, and, and in, at the end of Stranger Things, yeah. he was just referred to as maybe it was him as the American. So now it's like flipped. It's weird. But yeah. it's, it's awesome. Uh, if you guys don't know Red Guardian, Red Guardian, is, is it the Russian or the European version of Captain America? It's their version of our Captain America. But yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> a little overweight. He's kind of super <laughs> overweight. I mean, you got to you got to mention the timing, right? This is a weird thing. Yeah. Because we still it, don't even know it for sure. We, yeah, we don't know for sure, but it sure looks like it's set in the past, meaning after uh, after Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's exploring her past, so it's going to have all kinds of flashbacks to probably the eighties or something when she was training to be a KGB super agent. Yep. So here's this thing that has no relevance on the current storyline, assuming the current storyline is post Endgame. Yeah. And then it's going to randomly continually flash further back. <laughs> she's, she's aged 12 years since she first was in Iron Man yep. 2 or Iron Man 1, what was she in? She was in Iron Man she's 2, right? Iron Man 2, right? Yeah. yeah. So she's aged 12, 14 years, something like that. And then it's going to be constantly flashing back. I'm sure it's going to be using Disney's patented um, reverse aging. Because reverse a- they have that technology. They <laughs> yeah. got to use it all the time. Uh, I don't know. It's like a few years off. It's not a big deal. I bet this is one of the least successful. Um, of these standalone Marvel movies. So here's Personally, my question. My do you call. think it's going to do better than Captain Marvel? Captain Marvel actually did pretty well from a box office perspective. Again, he, he brought up like, how do you rate something? Yeah. To me, it's purely box office. I don't care about fans. I don't care about critics. Box office is the end result of, did the studio think they did a good job? 
and um, I think it will. Not, I think it will not do as well as. Yeah, I don't. I Captain don't think Marvel. it'll do as well as Captain Marvel, but I'm also... I mean, I think it might be a, a, a good movie or even a better movie. It seems like it's going to have, like, Thor Ragnarok funniness. Um, because Thor Ragnarok was a raging success, and yes. now everything has to have humor. <laughs> but I don't know. I just think that people don't like prequels. People don't like feeling like they're wasting their time watching something that has no... Like, you, you know... You always know she's going to survive, but you really know she's going to survive because she is not dead yet, yeah. but she is dead. So you're watching a dead character. I it's like, um, have you seen the movie Next? No. With well, Nick, I mean, maybe. Oh, yes. Nicholas Cage? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like that movie. I love that movie all the way up until the last five minutes. And yeah. the last five minutes is when you find out that the entire movie you were watching actually never happened. And nobody likes that. And I no. hate that. Yeah. It was like, this is uh, what could happen. Isn't it such a weird thing? Like... The the movies aren't real, guys. I mean, like, they haven't happened. None of them happened. Yeah. <laughs> but for some reason, it really ticks us off if the last few minutes you find out it was all a dream. <laughs> if I mean, the, they've done TV shows like that. The Bob yeah. Roseanne show. Exactly. That's how it exactly ends. The alternate yeah. ending for Malcolm in the Middle. That's exactly how it ends. Nobody likes it. No, nobody <laughs> likes it. <laughs> you should have learned, guys. All right. This next one is uh, interesting. Uh, a Star Wars game show is coming to Disney+. Plus. And it's going to be called the Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. And who's the host? Um, I forgot what it is. I think it's Ahmed. Ahmed. I don't know how to pronounce his name. But it's the voice of Jar Jar Binks. That's what people were asking for, right? Yeah. More, the, more, uh, more Jar Jar Binks in a Star Wars show. I really do not know this. This is, this is so fascinating <laughs> yeah. to me now. So what's cool about it is it's supposed to be a kid's, uh, like a kid's show. I mean, obviously it's on Disney+. Plus, But it's targeted towards it's kids. It's a game show for kids. It's a game show for kids. Uh, and they're going to go th- on three different planets or areas or scenarios where they're taking on Jedi tasks yeah. that you would be doing as a Padawan to become a Jedi. And it just seemed really cool. The whole concept is interesting. I'm going to try to watch it. But... Uh, the only thing I don't like about it, Rich, you're going to laugh at me. The only thing I don't like about it is where the damn colon is in the <laughs> fucking title. <laughs> so I brought this up before. Star Wars Jedi colon fallen order is the game this show is called star wars colon jedi temple challenge (laughs) can we figure out where it goes here pick somewhere and stick with it no but it really does look awesome uh there wasn't really much to look at yet i don't think it's for us right i don't know if it is yeah i I mean it jar jar binks is very um very very well liked (laughs) by kids and uh so they choose a, a a host that's going to be well-liked by kids, probably. It's for kids. Um, I would kind of like to have at least some moment where they get slimed. Some sort of, because the only other yeah. kid game show I can think of is... Double Dare? Yeah. What, um, what's funnier is if we go with the theory that everybody's talking about where Jar Jar is a Sith Lord, and now <laughs> he's actually training Sith and not Jedi. <laughs> if he, that would be what we all want. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> if he ever turns out to be... what Darth what? Um, they, they have a name for him. I forgot what it was. But yeah. if the, if he ever turns out to be a Sith, I will change all my opinions about the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, okay. I know we try and usually keep the show PG 13 or, or, you know, every now and then, but I did see a meme today that was great. And it was, um, star Wars is PG 13, which means they're allowed one F bomb. Where do you drop it? And we've talked about yeah, playing this sure. game before too, but this one was great. It was right when Anakin breaks in, 
uh, to the Jedi Temple to, to kill all the um, the Padawan, the yeah. young Padawan kids. And it's just that young kid standing there. He's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is the perfect place for it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, at that point, I would I would probably put it in like after uh, after they tell uh, Obi Wan that Anakin just killed all the kids. That's where I would yeah, put it like, right the there. Fucking chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> you have to make it so you can use the f bomb once, but you don't give it to Samuel L. Jackson just to see if it pisses him yeah. off at all. <laughs> all right. So after the game show, we have okay. This is interesting. So apparently. A Molotov cocktail resembles only the Hong Kong protest. It reminds them of of something they'd rather the whole world didn't notice. Yeah. Right? The Hong Kong pro- the, protest. The Hong Kong protest. So what's going on is DC removed a promo image for the comic that's coming out, The Dark Knight Returns, The Golden Child, which if you click on the link, we have it. Oh, crap. We didn't put a secret link in here. <laughs> Just pretend that you don't know where that link is going. Yep. <laughs> but in There's reality, a secret link. yeah, uh, the link takes you to the actual picture of, it looks like, is it, is it's it a bat- Batwoman, Batwoman holding a Molotov. And is being, it Batwoman or Batwoman's kid? I think it's Batwoman's kid, but Batwoman. whatever. Uh, it's throwing a Molotov and everybody was like, that's Hong Kong right there. And while the artist may have targeted that, because you said the artist was Brazilian. Right? He's Brazilian. And I just, I just noticed a lot of Brazilian artists are very political in yeah. their artwork and they slip these things in and by all means good because I'm, I'm pro freedom, democracy, yeah. stuff like that. But on the flip side, it's a Molotov cocktail. You can't say that this one thing that has been used for years represents one entire movement. It, face masks. You can't use it if you want to make money off the Chinese. Uh, Molotov cocktails, you can't use it if you want to make money off the Chinese. Yep. So DC retracted this image from their promos, they, they've, which made a counter-protest from non-Chinese saying, hey, stop, ca- you know, stop bowing to the Chinese because you just want their money. And um, the, then DC responded by saying, hey, you know, we're not using that promo image, but that image still is in the comic. They're not... They're not bowing to Chinese pressure, supposedly. And so if you buy the comic, you will see Batwoman with a Molotov cocktail, which, again, has nothing to do with the Hong Kong protest, as far as we know. Yeah. I mean, if you can show Batwiener, you can show a Molotov cocktail, right? That's in DC Black. <laughs> Wait, is, this, is this a Black Label one? Or it's is, not, okay. no. This is, uh, this is the Golden Child. If you guys aren't aware of what the Golden Child is, the Golden Child is the child of Superman and Super and Wonder Woman. And so you have a Kryptonian super being combined with a goddess. And so at the age of two years old, the, uh, the super child has the, the power to be able to dis- destroy the planet. The wi- they say the wisdom of the Kryptonians. The, uh, he can already speak and has yeah, the, full conversations. The intelligence of an average human being. Uh, well, far, far beyond it. This is... They, they're calling it the golden child. So yeah. obviously they're referring to like the Eddie Murphy golden child, um, <laughs> which is the better golden child, but yeah, that's <laughs> probably true. Um, it, it looks really interesting. I, I kind of want to read it, but also at the same time, I, I don't know, like I don't view Kryptonians as particularly wise. I, I, I usually see the comics where they're emotional and um, they're just out of control and they're egotistical and wisdom is not something I attribute to the Kryptonians in any comic since like 1987. Like I, I just feel like they're not 
I feel like that's why I harmonized or if that's what I'm trying to think of. Um, so well with earth one, um, Superman is earth one, uh, in the beginning of that comic, it shows him trying to find a job. So yeah. he's going from place to place and he go actually goes into a, a research lab and he's like, Oh, he just writes the equation on the board that they've been trying to solve for 20 years yeah. to prove that he's actually smarter than basically all of us. And that's really one of the only times I can think of in recent comic book history where Superman is actually like, hey, I'm actually smart. I'm not dumb. Well, and I absolutely think Kryptonians are smart. I just don't think wisdom has anything to do with intelligence, intelligence <laughs> automatically. I mean, there are two different stats on D&D. So. That's exactly. <laughs> Everything I, I know about life, I learned from D&D. Exactly. Probably, so, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah uh, Molotov Cocktail is not a Hong Kong protest. And yeah. Disney Plus has given us a list of content that's coming in just December. Yeah. <laughs> now, this was actually pretty cool. And I, I asked you if Netflix does the same thing. Netflix this, has never done it. This was a video clip that I think is going to come out every month. And it's going to say all the different things that are coming in Disney Plus that month. And I was like, you know what? I often wonder what I actually so much stuff comes out to Netflix so fast that most of the time I just miss it. Yeah. If I didn't watch it and like, I, you know, I only see so many things on my like recommended for you and I find out other stuff was on and I don't know about it until you talk about it or yeah. something. So I, you know, I think it'd be cool. They do. They, they went deep on this one too. They were like <laughs> too Man- Mandalorians episodes four five, six, seven, and eight are going to be, we know that <laughs> we know the Mandalorian is continuing. I don't think you needed to put on me, I guess, well, but. but you know, the episodes. Yeah. Um, because I mean, just like, uh, the Watchmen. I went to watch the Watchmen, and it wasn't there. Oh, because they skipped an episode for Thanksgiving week. Oh, I don't know why. Well, on that note, the Mandalorians episode eight is actually was scheduled to drop. I believe it was on the twenty seventh. Um, as of that Twitter post is what yeah. it said. But I also am hearing rumors that it's going to drop right before um, the Star Wars Return of the Return of the Jedi. Wow. I'm sorry. I watched that one last night. So. <laughs> um, the Rise, Rise of Skywalker, Skywalker before that one comes out. But if I remember correctly, Rise of Skywalker comes on the 20th? 20th, yes. So, yep. yeah, the, if it's, it's scheduled it. to come out on the 27th, they can't push it. They said that the rumor I saw was that they're going to push it a day ahead, so it comes out. But from the 27th to the 20th, that would be a week ahead. However, I think, and now I remember, the episode was being that's being pushed isn't episode 8. It's episode 7. It's being pushed one day ahead because there is a plot line that coincides with Rise of Skywalker, and they wanted it to out before Skywalker came out. Oh, oh interesting. Yeah, that's cool. So uh, that's awesome. So one thing we saw was, and uh, and I don't, and I'm I'm curious if anybody knows, but it showed a female Twi'lek, and uh, there's a good portion of of the fan base who loves female Twi'leks, loves the idea of them, anyways, mm-hmm. um, and they're very popular in the cartoons and the comic books and the toys and the books. But yet there has never been a female Twi'lek in live action until this point. And I argued with Rich about this because there was a Twi'lek in Jabba's palace. But lo and behold, I was wrong because that was a male Twi'lek. Yeah. And uh, according to the original, the original lore, which I don't know if it's correct anymore, uh, that Twi'lek had its teeth filed to fangs, which doesn't sound very appealing for a, for a female Twi'lek person to like go after. But then in the cartoons, she has the car, the female Twi'leks there have normal teeth. And supposedly in the lore, uh, they 
file their teeth to be more um, more threatening or something like that. Did Ahsoka was a Twi'lek, right? Yeah. So did she? I don't remember if she. She had has normal teeth. She okay. doesn't have fangs. But this one, we only get a sliver, like a smidgen of a second, and it was on Twitch, so we couldn't like really pause yeah. it and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, but I mean, on Twitter. But I think she has fangs too. So I don't know if in the new lore now Twi'leks are just born with fangs. Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, while we're talking about it, I, yeah. I don't want to make this a Star Wars podcast, but because we're only two weeks away from Star Wars, there's going to be a lot of Star Wars talk, especially with it not just being, you know, the final episode, but it's the end of the Skywalker saga. So there's going to be news. But I thought this was really interesting. Have you watched Star Wars Rebels? I've only seen little bits and pieces. I, so I started watching Clone Wars, the animated series. I have yet to get to Rebels. I don't think I'll finish either of those before Star Wars comes out. Because there's eight seasons of Clone yeah. Wars, and I don't even know how many of Rebels. And lots of episodes per season, because yeah. it's a cartoon, yeah. Um, but I did find something interesting. So in Star Wars Rebels, I believe it's season four, episode one, around there, um, the main character, who I don't even know, know who it is, uh, but the main character is going through the world beyond worlds, I think is what they called it. And this is like the Jedi version of time travel. So it's like he can go through this portal. Yeah, He's now the world be- beyond worlds, or whatever it was called. And in this version, he sees where Ahsoka gets cut down by uh, Darth Vader. Yeah. And he pulls her out. So he pulls her out of that time. Yep. And saves Ahsoka, and then it continues from there. So people were like, if that can happen in Rebels, that can happen in Rise of Skywalker. Maybe that's why we see an evil Rey happening. or Well, or that's how the Emperor gets resurrected. Yeah. That too. Because... I mean, personally, I always like the original book series where they, um, where the reason why the Emperor uh, Palpatine originally um, pushed for the clones was so that ultimately he could create a clone of himself and live forever. And that was supposed, instead of ghosts like the, like the Jedi have, the Sith were supposed to do soul transfers so they could transfer to another body. But in his case, if he wanted the same body, he could transfer to a clone of himself yeah. and it's even better than just possessing people. Yep. So I, I personally really like that storyline. Of course, that's not canon anymore because Disney threw it all away so that they could pick and choose whichever pieces they want. And so we know Mara, Mara Jade is going to be picked into the canon universe or she might already be. Yeah. Um, but how does Palpatine come back? Who knows? Could be the clone, could be the time travel. It's probably more likely to be the time travel because that's at least from the cartoons, which are now considered canon, I think. There's so, a really funny joke going around, too, from Kathleen Kennedy, who's uh, running the show over for Star Wars. And uh, she was like, we wanted to work really hard on you know episode eight, but there just wasn't enough source material. And everybody's like, <laughs> what? There's the entire expanded universe. But we can't use that. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, so... That that's stuff that was coming out. We saw Marvel Rising is also some other. There's a couple of Marvel Rising cartoons um, coming. There was one in particular. I, I don't even remember what it was now all of a sudden. But it was one in particular that I was like, oh, I want to see that. Was it? I think it was Spider-Man. Oh, um, Marvel Rising, Spider-Man, maybe. Was, Marvel Rising is like Squirrel Girl and, all, and Spider-Gwen and all those characters. Yeah. Um, Thor Ragnarok is also coming. Yeah. I know we've all seen it, but that's arguably one of the best standalone uh, superhero. Definitely funniest. Definitely funniest. I still like Doctor Strange. <laughs> I yeah, wonder how you're going to feel with the, uh, the horror, the horror version. I can't wait. Yeah. 
It's going to be good. I don't know if if they're going full horror, are they going to lose some of the comedy that Doctor Strange had in there? Or are they going to keep the soft comedy? I hope so. He's, he's, but it'll be dry. I hope it's just dry and sarcastic. Um, yeah. Oh, man. There was I'd a, just like to see if they can pull off House of M and just fully be like, okay, yeah, we're getting rid of like everybody out of your contracts. No problem whatsoever. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? You're doing what? Holy crap. Do, um, do you think, I mean, I, I really feel like WandaVision um, is going to be basically kind of the... Uh, the aftermath of of House of M. Oh, I think so. Also, it's supposed yeah. to be a sitcom too, which, which is, is weird. Because, yeah, because House of M. I mean, if I remember the comic book correctly, you know, she creates like her whole universe into into her own into her own way, and then obviously it was Quicksilver and Magneto who was protecting her before they they basically nearly failed, and then she altered reality. What, what was really interesting about? It, I mean, by all means. Uh, get a Comixology like subscription. Yeah. If you can't buy it, get a Comixology subscription for ten bucks. You can read the whole thing. I did um, a lot. And but I mean, support your comic book store if you can. But whatever. <laughs> it's <laughs> amazing. It's a super fun storyline. What I really like is you think the whole time that Magneto has manipulated Wanda because she's like crazy at this point. He, you think he's manipulated her to give him everything he wants because he's like ruler of the world. Yeah. Right. But no, he's not the one. And he's actually as upset as, as anybody else. I will try and not spoil it too much, but I will just leave it at this. The key is Wolverine. The key is always Wolverine yeah, is. since the nineties. <laughs> I mean, they showed that clearly in days of future pass. Yeah. <laughs> Drives me nuts. Yeah. Oh, when you were saying dry humor too, it just reminded me, um, um, React the React channel did a uh, try the the, uh, the food from Marvel films. Okay, and one of them was the Ben and Jerry's ice cream. So like Ben and Jerry's didn't make the the two Marvel flavors that they talked about in Doctor Strange, so we made them. But they showed the clip, and that's the dry humor when uh, Stark was like Stark raving hazelnuts. He's like, yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right, so. Uh, Resident Evil 2 is very close. It was very close to being Game of the Year this year until Modern Warfare blew it out of the water. I don't even want to talk about it. Which is stupid. Yeah. Uh, but if you liked Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 3 might have accidentally been leaked. Uh, the re- oh, the re- Resident Evil 3 remake, by the way. Um, there's, there's a picture up, and I'm almost positive, and I'm hoping that I'm right, that you'll see this on the Game Awards uh, next Thursday when they go up, that they're going to have a trailer for it. Oh, and, I'm excited. Yes. If, it, if it's if it's what I think it is, I mean, they could literally carbon copy that game except make the final boss a little bit tougher, and then you're good. Yep. I'm happy with it. I mean, they, they basically did that with Resident Evil 2, except for they just added in Mr. X. Yeah. And and now Mr. X has his own game in uh, Project Resistance, which is, I think, also... So we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. I think Resident Evil 3 and Project Resistance might come out around the same time. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was a good move. Uh, it might be because you might get one group of people that like this one and not this one. So, yeah, I mean, my, my idea there was just that, um, I think people who loved left for dead are so hungry for another, um, co-op versus asymmetrical. You don't like it. (laughs) You don't like it when I say asymmetrical. No, it's an asymmetrical, um, multiplayer co-op experience four versus one kind of situation. And I think those people aren't necessarily resident evil players. 
That's just my thought. I just think that those people will that's a completely buy this different game. game. That's why. Yeah. And so I don't think they're going to, I don't think it's people that are like, well, I can only afford one game this month. I have to, I have to choose. I think it's a lot of people who are like, well, I'll buy, you know, whatever games are in my genre that I like. And I don't like both of those. I'm going to, I'm going to buy the one or the other. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. What are you going to buy both? You go buy one. It would probably just be the remake, to be honest. See, I really, go. I really enjoyed RE2. Yeah. Quite a bit. That's totally fair. Um, I'm very like, I'm very time short these days. So I, I'm much more likely to buy something that will give me very short bursts of fun that I don't have to feel bad. Like not um, playing for three months and then turning it back on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, the picture that was shown to the nemesis was right on the cover. So obviously yeah. he's, I mean, the entire game revolves around nemesis. So if he's not in there, that'd be really confusing. I mean, wasn't RE3 literally titled Resident yeah. Evil 3 Nemesis? Nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> but it is cool that the Nemesis is like the cover art that they had for it. Uh, and they actually, I think they showed a picture of Jill Valentine that I didn't want to put it in the notes because I don't know if it was her or not. People are still trying to guess whether or not first, if that was Jill Valentine, second, was that even from our Resident Evil? So there's pictures that might be out if you guys want to go look. Um, but yeah, I'm almost positive you'll see it at the Game Awards next Thursday, 12, 12, 19. I got a question. Uh, is there any other like real remake um, of that genre? Because I know everybody's going to say FF7. Yeah, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> I was ready for it. I was <laughs> ready too. <laughs> uh, of that genre that uh, that specifically, I guess, with Resident Evil, like, okay, we're going to get two and three, which is fine. But is there really any others that we kind of need a remake? Which one would you pick? Silent Hill. Okay, well. Sure, I'll, I'll give you Silent Hill, but I guess I guess in the Resident Evil series. How about oh, in the that? Resident Evil series. Well, um, I also think four. I definitely think four. But I feel like four. I know it did just come out because because <laughs> obviously seven's out with Biohazard, yeah. but uh, uh, but I feel like four is is almost too recent for me. Yeah, I've, I've heard people ask that one too, and they're like, "Code Veronica," just to throw it off. I'm like, "Please don't do that yeah. one. <laughs> that one's just give me Time Crisis with Resident <laughs> Evil. That's exactly what I'm looking for." No, um, I love Time Crisis. <laughs> I'm with it. Time Splitters. How about Reload. that? <laughs> can Reload. I, can I get a VR version? You know Did they announce something with Time Splitters? Like there's recently? so there's there's rumors Time Splitters three is in the works, ah, but now that I'd be down for. There's just as many rumors that Half Life yeah. three is still coming. So I mean, that's what. Alex is supposed yeah. to be. So actually listening to a few other podcasts, I actually am on the half-life Alex side now. So no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to release the half-life three that everybody wants. Everybody has hyped it up so much that there's literally nothing that anybody could so do. You're saying like almost like Duke Nukem. Yeah. Right. There's no way that it was going to ever be what people wanted. Yep. And okay. then, so half-life has always, also been on the cusp of technology. They've always been like, they were the first ones that perfected physics in that game. Yeah. Uh, and you know, half-life two also perfected some other stuff and mechanics. So half-life Alex is going to be the one that takes VR over to the edge. I think that's going to be the one that pushes it where everybody's like, Holy shit, this is actually a thing that is amazing now. It's not just Beat Saber and some job simulator game on there. We can I don't actually ever play want to hear you speak badly about Beat Saber. <laughs> I'm not speaking How bad about dare Beat Saber. You, sir. I'm, I'm saying that the only reason to get a VR is because of Beat Saber. Uh, no, Biohazard. Resident Evil 7 Biohazard is amazing. And um, Arizona Sunshine. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Sky, Skyrim VR. Is what awesome. the hell's going on, James? <laughs> you can play Skyrim in your fridge now, so we don't need it in VR. <laughs> 
I Half Life. Um, what's what are they? Half Life Al- Alex. Alex. I bet it will be better than those games because they will bring um, all those things to VR. Yep. And people who love Half Life, who most people weren't even alive anymore when the last Half Life game was out. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, these youngsters. <laughs> They don't even know what we're talking about, but they're excited like, because what is they. Half-life? Yeah, <laughs> I remember you know, my dad talked about that game. You know that 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 store where you buy all the games on and play on PC. Yeah, that was where Half Life. Is that came where you from. had a GameCube inside of McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Happy birthday, PlayStation! This was a big one. Uh, PlayStation yesterday, as of yesterday, turned twenty-five years old, uh, and they're celebrating on the PlayStation blog. I don't know how. But on the PlayStation blog itself, it says, come uh, check us out every day and see how we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of PlayStation. I'm guessing there's just going to be articles on PlayStation blog saying, yay. 25 is that magical time where you start maturing a little bit. You party a little bit less often. You can rent a car now. and you Can, rent, can you? 25? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's been a long time. Um, also, I think they announced yesterday, too, that... Um, PlayStation is now the world's best-selling home console brand as well, selling well over a hundred million units now. Yeah, I think it got the world record, right? Yep, the, they the hand, Guinness, uh, Guinness handed them the world record yesterday. So, I mean, just because I'm a Sony fanboy doesn't mean I can't say I told you so. Uh, but yeah, PlayStation's birthday, awesome. What that means for sales and free video games and PlayStation Plus, who knows? Nothing. It probably means nothing because they're stingy. Well, I'm, okay. I when say, you're losing money like Sony, like it's <laughs> yeah. it's hard to just give stuff yeah. out. I, mean, I was like, going to say when we made the PlayStation Classic. Yeah, you, <laughs> remember how much when you had with that? Remember when we fucked it up? Um, I was going to say that they're stingy, but I think it was two months ago when they brought out the PlayStation Now games, and everybody was pissed off, and so they changed them. And they were like, "Okay, they're better games now. They're not soccer and some other game." <laughs> So, okay, they're not, they're not that stingy. They've given out some good games. Well, yeah, now they have. But, like, for for a long time, it was just crap. Yeah, you know? actually. And now, and now, at least with PlayStation now, it's justifiable at 60 bucks a year. Yep. Because you could say, you know what? I don't really know if I want to commit to this game, but I'll play it for a couple of weeks, and then that's that. So, also, because you reminded me, this funny story, Google Stadia is out. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody exactly. Cares. Nobody even knew it came out. <laughs> it's the same with Google Glass. Yep. Nobody cares. But the, the unfortunate part is Google has the money to be like, I mean, we'll keep pushing it until people buy it. So they're saying we're committed. We're going to keep doing this. You don't need to worry. Yeah. Um, half the things Google does, they cancel. <laughs> Just like Microsoft. You you know, when you have 30,000, 40,000 employees, you you regularly get churn ideas, and you're gonna say that idea wasn't good. Yep, I, I'm not faulting them for canceling things, but I wish they wouldn't say we're never gonna cancel it because that's what they said about Google Plus. Is that what? Yeah, yeah. So the social media thing. Um, they canceled it; it's gone. Yep, and it's left a huge hole because people kept committing to it, and now there's all these URLs pointed to their Google Plus <laughs> things. They don't do anything. Yep, they're all broken. I like uh, the idea of like. The way that you describe that it reminded me of the movie Mind, 
where where at the beginning where he kidnaps where he kidnaps a girl and he's all like look what this can do you know <laughs> i just imagine that's google's like face over here and like nobody's impressed with anything and then finally like a little spider thing crawls around and they're like oh that's new yes our plan all along <laughs> so the the two biggest issues i see with this whole thing and i, I mean, yeah with data okay. And I don't, I don't know why it wasn't even thought about. Maybe it was thought about and they just didn't care. Yeah. Um, first, you have to purchase the service yeah. to then purchase the game, Yeah. which is bullshit. They love it. Yep. And then you can only stream the game. You cannot download the game. Why would you need to download it? So if you don't have internet for some reason or something happens, you can still continue to play your game. But internet is everywhere. You must have internet. When I don't have internet, I just cry in the corner. <laughs> I turn on my. What, what was life before the internet? I turn on my four G hotspot. <laughs> now I have internet again. But yeah, I mean that was a big problem um, because it's I don't know. No, it it is a legit problem when there's a thunderstorm and you're like, well, internet's out. What am I gonna do? I guess I'll go play some video games because I can't browse Facebook anymore. Yep. Oh wait, no, I can't I even can. play my video games. Yeah. I guess I'll pull out my Game Boy. I don't. <laughs> um, but. To be fair, I think that um, you can have a blend. You don't need the, like, if you can play the most cutting edge games at 4K, 60 frames per second, um, and you don't have to ever buy a new upgraded machine, then maybe it's worth it. I'm not, I'm not going to just totally discount it. I just think that um, for me, I'm always going to have a machine that's powerful enough to play games at the yeah. top because for me, I have to be able to edit uh, films and videos yeah. and stuff. So, I mean, you're just going to have it, but see, I feel like the, the easy fix for stadia right now is first of all, get rid of the subscription fee. Cause that's just dumb. If you're already having to buy the games, you don't need the subscription fee. And second, give us the option to stream or download. That's easy. Just give us that option and you're done. What sort of exclusive content does Stadia even have? Like in, None. Ter- in terms of games. Because I know I know like the was... big thing was like Destiny 2. And I'm like, that is one of the most frustrating games to ever come out. <laughs> Why would that be your launch? Yeah, I, I don't know. They don't have any uh they might have a one I think there was rumors about it, but like one Stadia only game. But I don't even know what it is. They've never talked about it. There's there's no reason that you can get you can't get any other console. It's just going to be a calculator. Yeah, but they're going to call it something else. But all it does is compute. Google, Google Calc. <laughs> yeah, Calc by Google. So yeah, happy birthday, PlayStation. <laughs> okay, this one is the one I was warning you about. All right, James. For this one, I read the first line, and I was like, "Wait, is did Lion's Head Studios make a new Fable game?" I feel so crushed and i was like even if it's a musical i'll take it i'll take anything in the fable universe i love the fable game series so much and then i read the second line and i was like i'm so sad (laughs) i am so sad james so the the first line was for the love of the glove an unauthorized musical fable about the life of well, it's not about the... Oh, for me, it says, for the love of a glove, an unauthorized musical fable. Oh, okay. And I was like, <laughs> wait. Sizing is different. Uh, it's actually, for the love of a glove, an unauthorized musical fable about the life of Michael Jackson, as told by his glove. Worst title ever. That is the title of this movie that they're making. It's very explicit, though. 
you have to give them props for some like one of the most explicit movie titles ever. You know what this movie's about. <laughs> you will never <laughs> guess. And actually, it does get crazier. Oh, okay. So it's an unauthorized musical about the life of the pop star, Michael Jackson, as told from the perspective of his glove, who's a blood-sucking alien, and it's being produced by Johnny Depp. Lay off the alcohol. <laughs> We've help. had some whoppers on the show before, and I keep saying that's the craziest thing that I'll read all year, but that is the craziest thing I'll read all year. He needs some help. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack. Here. Yeah. So um, but the most interesting thing was um, the when they bought it, they said that the person that was going to direct it didn't want to give Michael Jackson his, his fame because of all the allegations and stuff. Yeah. So he was like, I'll do this, but I'm going to do it this way. And so what are you saying is the most interesting thing? Well, there, the title? There, 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 there's a lot to unpack. Like, <laughs> like, I think the most interesting word in there is love. Like, why? What am I exactly going to see here? <laughs> <laughs> if you're talking about a love glove, that's that's something different there. Well, I mean, this. So this glove is a blood sucking alien, but it uh, loves again. Love <laughs> is the most interesting word there. <laughs> yeah, this is. Uh, so this was. They bought a uh, Johnny Depp's company. I forgot what the production company was called. It's in the article, but uh, they bought the rights to make this movie. And then um, the director was like, I'm not going to make a movie about Michael Jackson that is honoring him because I don't want to honor him. He's like, instead, if you want me to do a movie, I'll do this. And I guess that's how we got there. <laughs> I don't even know. I, I can't wait to see this guy get sued. But, but I'm well, also interested to see what happens. By the estate of Michael Jackson? Absolutely. Yeah, probably. Absolutely. I wonder if any of the other Jacksons are like, no, that's pretty much right. <laughs> what, what are they no. going to do? They're going to be like, okay, this is libel. His glove was not an alien. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, the family of Adolf Hitler suing Jojo Rabbit. Like, Hitler was not an imaginary friend <laughs> in Boy Scout camp. Exactly. That movie's I, super underrated, by the way. I know. I love Jojo Rabbit. It was so good. It was really sad, too. It was. It kind of made you sympathize. Yeah. Just a little bit. But then you come back to reality. I, I don't know if I did say last week, but I did watch Frozen 2. Um, I that, like it. That is also an amazing movie. I do plan on going to see that in the theaters a couple more times, actually. Um. And it actually broke the record too. Best selling, uh, yeah, best selling Thanksgiving movie of all time. Last I checked, it was sitting at seven hundred thirty-eight million. So that's fucking ridiculous. Um, and the songs in it are just—I mean, that's what Frozen's known for. I mean, yes, it's princesses and you know, there's a snowman and there's a reindeer, but I personally feel like the soundtrack is weaker than the first movie. It is. It is a little bit weaker because Let It Go was. So good. It played for many months. And, and there's some... Months. It's years. still, it's still <laughs> going. There's some great songs in Frozen 2, but there's a couple that I'm like, this, is, this isn't good. There was one in particular. Um, I think I said it. It took me out of the movie so badly. And that was the uh, 80s ballad from um, Kristoff. No, that's the one I'm complaining about. Yeah, that I hate one it. was so awkward. I don't know... Yeah, but there was some other things that um, they did. A lot of people are saying this too, but I also agree with them. This is one of the very, not, I won't say very first, but it's very few Disney movies have done this where Kristoff, first of all, he says his love isn't fragile. 
which is not a thing masculine men say in Disney movies. Uh, they say, what, you know, I'm here to help. And that was the other thing. When he showed up, he didn't say, move out of the way. I'll take care of the problem. He showed up and was like, what do you need? I will help you. He's letting her do whatever yeah. she has to do, but he's like, I'm here to help. Not, I'm here to, you know, take care of the monster, get out of the way. I thought it was really cool. He doesn't have magical powers. Yeah, he doesn't have magical powers. And then on top of that, it turned into uh, Avatar The Last Airbender for a little bit. So that was awesome. (laughs) Solid. Spoilers if you guys haven't seen it. But uh, if you guys haven't seen it, you have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. So you'll make the connection when you see it. (laughs) Um, Good movie. Probably better than For the Love of a Glove. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're really underselling how good (laughs) For the Love of a Glove could really be. Okay, so now we're not much for rumors in the show. We try not to talk rumors. Um, but there's ones that we will bring up if they're at least interesting okay. to talk about. Okay, guys at home, uh, comment in below. Complain. <laughs> I, this just needs to be a recurring <laughs> segment because he's always got the, I don't like rumors, but I'm about to tell you something that's completely rumor. And because it's Disney, probably wrong. Yeah, probably wrong. But I just felt it'd be fun to talk about this rumor. Sure, yeah. Um, Dr. Doom might be the villain for Black Panther 2. I have so many issues with that. <laughs> You're like, problems? But, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> so people were, uh, the guy that is supposedly, allegedly said what every title of every movie is going to be. Yeah. Um, is the one that leaked this. So it could be true. It couldn't. It's yeah. also probably a rumor. Um, but they're saying that. Dr. Doom is going to start taking over places in Africa and then come across the Wakandans and that starts the fight there. Sure. Okay. That's not what he's about. I know. (laughs) At all. I really hope that is a rumor. Um, I still want Dr. Doom as our big bad for the next 10, 15 movies, but not like this. I I think he he should be, but... Um, I do think it's interesting to have the head of a nation state that's a villain be the opponent to the head of a nation state that's a hero. So it's kind of interesting because there you have ruler versus ruler and all of those different issues of a, like if the Avengers go into Latveria, then it's an international incident. Then you probably have war against not just Latveria, but any of Latveria's allies, which is presumably China, Russia, North Vietnam. Those are probably Latverian allies, right? So um, presumably the reason why the heroes would never just invade Latveria is because um, it would be an international incident yeah. and it would and actually, provoke World War Three or something. Uh, the Black Widow trailer, maybe not spoke about it that much, but there's a lot to do with the, uh, the Accords too. And yeah. I mean, that... Sokovia Accords. Yeah, the Sokovia Accords still might have something to play into if this were true with the Black Panther 2 thing. Yeah. Yeah, because it's post-Civil War, so yeah, that kind of makes sense. I don't know. Uh, Doom has shown that he can rule a perfect nation as long as uh, Reed Richards is not around. (laughs) I'm just saying. We've also figured it out. (laughs) We've also talked about this too, where Reed Richards is actually the bad guy, so. He is the bad guy. (laughs) Yeah. He screws up all the plans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I know, Rich, you're probably excited about this one. So we've talked about Color Out of Space before. We've talked about a lot of the stuff this episode before. 
But this is good news. So yeah. Color Out of Space actually might reportedly be the first of three in a trilogy of Lovecraft movies. So this is so there's also a Call of Cthulhu movie coming out in 2020. And I really think that H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, I think that it's going to be the new zombies. So we're going to see a, just a rush of H.P. Lovecraft things. And so I'm very intentionally, my Lovecraftian sci-fi series, I'm trying my best to get the pilot episode live before the release date of Color Out of Space. <laughs> so I can say that mine was at the at the front because, um, yeah, I, I want to be yeah. the first of first Lovecraftian film series thing out in 2020 before before the wave of Cthulhu movies. <laughs> How well, do you feel about that though? Because I know you're a Cthulhu fan. I, I'm a super huge <laughs> fan. I, I don't understand why. I mean, the color out of space has no connection to anything else in, in Lovecraft, but, um, yeah, let's have the same investigators. Let's have them kind of like explore different stories. I think it could be fun. I think there's been a lot of already, uh, maybe not as far as, as literally branding it as this is Lovecraft, sure. uh, Lovecraftian universe and whatnot, um, where there's already been a lot of it, uh, uh, in fact, I mentioned to him, Annihilation, which came out in 2018, is basically color out of space. And so, it, like, it borrowed so many elements from Sure, that. yeah. And then the latest movie that dropped, uh, The Lighthouse, that had a Lovecraftian thing about it. I still it definitely felt Lovecraftian. Oh, at the end, it definitely did. <laughs> um, but I think, um, I obviously, if it, everything, everything episodic is H.P. Lovecraft. Um, anything Stephen King is almost assuredly Lovecraft because yeah, he he based it, uh, he's admitted, and he's literally used Nyarlathotep in The Stand. So we know there's a direct, real connection, not, the, not characters referencing the stories of H.P. Lovecraft, but literally referencing the being of Nyarlathotep. So we know that uh, the Stephen King universe, which is all shared, uh, or most of the stories are shared yep. in the same like meta metaverse. Um, those are directly in the same universe as H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, there has been a wave of direct Lovecraft movies like Dagon, um, The Reanimator, all those things. But I just think there's a new wave, and I do think there's going to be a lot of things like The Lighthouse, which aren't a direct reference, um, Annihilation, which is not a direct reference. But The Color Out of Space is literally one of the stories. Um, my, my series is literally based off of the, um, the, I keep thinking Innsmouth, the, uh, oh my gosh, is my series. I should, <laughs> no, I totally it's, just, it's too much too, rum. Yeah. Too um, much rum. Can't just blame on that. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I think we'll have a lot of Lovecraft stuff because it's totally out of copyright. So you can just use it Yeah, and you don't have to say, well, the lighthouse could have been directly affiliated, but we didn't want to use things because we didn't want to get sued. You can't be sued. It's totally out of copyright. What? So you can just use all the names and titles and everything. So here's, here's what I'm hoping for. It's like Little Mermaid yeah. or Jungle Book. Yeah, you can use them. Um, here's, here's what I'm hoping for. So when I first met you, I didn't know shit about Cthulhu other than yeah. I think how to pronounce the name maybe. I didn't know what it what it was, you know. What, oh, Dunwich, by, by the way. There you go, Dunwich. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't know anything about it, but ever since I've uh, been friends with you, I started researching Cthulhu stuff more in uh, Lovecraft nature and all that yeah. stuff. 
And all I'm hoping for is if I can get one movie experience to give me the same experience I have playing the Lovecraft board games. Yeah. Because in those board games, you're like, there's no way out. There's, and in those games, it's not like, okay, here's the way out. It's like, no, you just, you died. That's it. Yeah. There's no resetting. There's no going back. You just died. And, uh, I don't know. We played the, damn it. What's the game we just played? Cthulhu death may die. Yeah. And, um, we were literally, I think one or two turns away from lit, Everybody dying. And what, the only person that died was my girlfriend. The only one who died before the credits rolled. Yeah. But we know what happened <laughs> right after success. Yep. We were all wiped out. Yep. <laughs> it was a bad, a bad scenario. And that's how I want most of those movies and stuff to end. You're like, yeah. yay, the heroes won. But now as it's fading to black, you're like, wait a minute. How are these people going to get out of this dungeon or yeah. whatever? Like, there's all these monsters. They're dead. Yep. Yep. Save the world. Um, the world won't care, but uh, it'll still be around. Yeah. And Thanks. you can still have a second movie. Thanks, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if, if we're going to talk about that too, uh, Cthulhu Death May Die is definitely a super fun game and everybody should buy it. Yeah. That was uh, a super good game. I really liked it. I still don't think I liked it as much as um, a couple of the original ones we've played, which I think Arkham was, Horror, Arkham uh, Horror, uh, Horror uh, Mansions of Madness. Madness. Yep. Yeah. Mansions of Madness is super fun. Any game that has an app that correlates with it is almost always fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, th- the thing is, is that if you want a very combat-heavy game where you directly get to in- get to interact with the eldritch beings, then Cthulhu: Death May Die is perfect for that. If you want a much more investigator, we're not going to know what's going on, and at the end, we still might not know what's going on. Mansions of Madness is a great experience. So, uh, would you consider? I mean, I, 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 we've discussed it before: Betrayal at the House in the Hill the legacy game, would you consider that Cthulhu type? I felt like there were elements. Well, um, so, I mean, I keep wanting you on my board game channel. <laughs> so by all means, we could have this conversation on my board game YouTube channel. But um, there, the big thing with House on the Hill, or Betrayal of the House on the Hill, is that they have taken every horror movie since the 80s and consolidated them, them down to tropes and so there is literally a Cthulhu episode. When you're playing the board game, it's random which episode you get. So sometimes you might get The Wolfman. Yep. One time we got Doctor, Doctor Who. Who. That was yep. great. That yeah. was fun. Um, and there's a few. There's quite a few uh, Lovecraftian ones, but they're not all Lovecraft. Some of them are Dracula, and some of them are the Mummy, and some of them, you know. So the on. the legacy game. The uh, without trying to spoil too much, if you guys plan on playing it, if you guys plan on playing it, just skip ahead literally thirty seconds. Uh, that was based off the Norse mythology, right? The final being, being Norse, our our storyline, and I don't know all the storylines, but our storyline was based off of. The Norse mythology, very specifically, um, I think Balder. I think Balder is missing his hand, so I think that's the the. Well, it was um, Fap, not Fafnir. Uh, was it Fafnir? It was the werewolf. Fenrir. Fenrir. Thank you, Fenrir. Fenrir. Yeah, Fenrir was the villain, and um, your ally is Balder. Yep. Yeah. Who Balder puts his hand in uh, Fenrir's mouth, and uh, does it open a gate? Or, no, tear. Tear. Sorry. I was gonna hope that Baldur opens a gate. Baldur's Gate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, connection to video games. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Lovecraft is awesome. Uh, we could, I think, Rich and I could talk about it for another few hours. Um, so we won't. 
<laughs> and we'll go on to the last news bulletin that we have before we... Oh, crap. Sorry, I hit the button on my phone. Um, now, I know I told you that the last one was the weirdest thing that I read with the For the Love of a Glove. This one, I think, is right behind it. Uh, it's not that weird. Oh, okay. Hasbro, <laughs> the, the, the toy company... That produces toys. The, the owners of Pokemon, the card game. Yes. And the owners of Dungeons & Dragons, the board game. Yes. Yeah, Hasbro. acquired Death Row Records. The guys that, you know, Tupac performed. Dr. Dre, Dr. I Dr. choose you. <laughs> <laughs> Rappers got to collect them all. <laughs> There's a lot to collect. It's um, just going to be called Kicks, and then that's all it's going to be. <laughs> I feel like that's... Suddenly I'm actually interested. That's a good name. (laughs) I feel like this is probably the most awkward acquisition I've read about in the last several years. Um, I don't know what they plan on doing with it, if they plan on doing anything with it, or they just wanted the label just to have money. I I, I don't know what they're... Yeah, I don't know if Hasbro has a very large um, media arm. They... I don't think so. Like outside of their game, I mean, they dominate toys and board yes, games and role playing games. I mean, they're they're a pretty big um, influence in that space. I don't know if this is normal for them or not. Maybe they they have made some really really horrible movies uh, <laughs> for Dungeons and Dragons. Really horrible, some of the worst. But uh, I don't know anything about them in music. So okay, so I have a couple of things that you just reminded me of too. So first of all. Um, this could mean that we can get the Tupac Magic the Gathering card. So that's awesome. A <laughs> uh, second, you just reminded me that um, apparently the, what is it? The Ohio State Michigan rivalry um, can go all the way down into uh, Lego. Okay, so that was a really bad correlation because it has nothing to do with it. But that same type of rivalry goes all the way down into Lego. Because Lego movies are killing it right now. Because there's a lot of good Lego movies. But apparently Playmobil is making a movie. Which is just like Legos. Playmobil is like the kid version of Legos. The the less sharper ones that don't hurt when you step on them. And their main actor is Daniel Radcliffe. Okay. I was so uninterested until you said that. <laughs> it's so weird. And when I was watching the trailer for it, because it was, I think we saw the trailer for it at Frozen 2, uh, I was like, this movie looks so interesting, and I don't know what it's about. And then they said Playmobil, and I was like, what? I I mean, I just think Daniel Radcliffe is such an interesting actor. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do Harry Potter, and now I'm going to do Swiss Army Man. If, if you tell me Ron is doing something, I don't care. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe is. And amazing. he has done stuff. He's done stuff with Nick Frost. It was a really good show. Sure. Yeah, Adam. <laughs> I think so. I read a little bit more into that story. The Hasbro so, one. Yeah, because now, now I remember. And okay, I, I can hold the thing for just. A second. I just wanted to point out that this did not just break. It's, it's something I want to talk about. This is a couple months old. Right. I think oh, is it? I, I only heard about a couple of days ago. So okay. So. The company that owns Death Row Records, Entertainment One. And Entertainment One is known for Peppa the Pig. They're, that's like their biggest product that they have out right now. I don't know what that is. So Peppa the Pig is like this kid's TV show where the pig's face basically looks like a penis. Um, and Peppa the Pig herself is racist as fuck, by the way. Incredibly <laughs> racist. But 
I'll show you the, the, the YouTube video afterwards. So apparently Hasbro acquired Entertainment One, which acquired back in like 2006 Death Row Records. Oh, but okay. It's like the super misleading title. I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. Because like I'm thinking about this, I'm like, there's no way that they could just acquire Death Row Records and then like nothing comes of it. Yeah. No memes come out of it or, or yeah. whatnot. No. It makes a little bit more sense to me now. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get the video of Peppa the... If you guys know what I'm looking up, because Rich hasn't seen it, the Peppa the Pig whistle episode, the little one minute clip of that was fucking brutal. I actually, I might, if we go back, I might put that as the secret. There link. we go, guys. <laughs> All right. So now we made it to the end of the show. Ish. This is not the end of the show. This is yeah. our halfway point. Our halfway point. So, yeah, we made it to the end of the news. Sorry. We made it to the end of the news. People uh, are already hitting stop. Yeah, like, like, okay, bye. <laughs> Wait. Uh, so we're going to do the top five movies. So what I figured we'd do is I'll say my top five movies of the nineties, right? Of the nineties, specifically the nineties. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not of all time. I wouldn't be able to make that list. No, so that's impossible. <laughs> It'd be Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim. Um, <laughs> so one, two, three. He gets mad. Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said best movies. Okay. Uh, no. So it's the top five movies of our, our personal opinion, not like, you know, recorded, but yeah. our personal opinion of the nineties, um, versus what Rotten Tomatoes, th- that article I read said is their top five. And, uh, I figured we'd just go, I'll go with my fifth and we'll go to yours, your fifth and then your fifth. And then Are you going to give like a brief explanation of why? Uh, yeah, but I feel like, um, a brief explanation of like why it's your number five. Oh, why yeah, why yeah. it's saying you're number five. Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. Um, and I only know, at least one of these movies is on your list because I blinked and I saw it. I told so you I apologize. I apologize. I, I just I saw it. I didn't mean to. Okay. But I had this list done earlier today. So all right. My fifth top, of top five. So my my yeah. The fifth one on there was Princess Mononoke. Um, I specifically picked Princess Mononoke. It did come out in the nineties, obviously. Um, it was nineteen ninety nine to be exact. It's it's <laughs> one of the bigger. Um, I won't say biggest because I still think there's argument about which which uh, miyazaki movie was the the best because i think spirited away still might take it it depends yeah Um, i don't think spirited away is nearly as good yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but princess mononoke was i think the big one that got everybody interested in miyazaki movies and then they went back and they were like this guy's done a lot of movies holy shit and then we just got a bunch of miyazaki movies after that um and I just like Prince. Oh, I mean, I, I'm not just picking it out of bias because it's my girlfriend's favorite Miyazaki movie. Because my favorite Miyazaki movie sounds biased. My favorite Miyazaki movie is Howl's Moving Castle, but that's not that's a, an excellent movie. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's my number five movie as well. Yeah. I, that's why I was like, I knew it was your number five. Um, but yeah, I think it brought uh, animation, that type of animation, into the mainstream. Uh, and I won't say it would, be, it would be the one that did it, but it blew it up. It helped push it forward in, into what we have now. I agree. Um, and then you got stuff like Ponyo, which I fell asleep during. So I don't know what happened there. Ponyo was like Japanese Little Mermaid, but not as interesting. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that was my fifth one. And actually, Rich is fifth. Yeah. So we might just have a, we might have a short list because I think we might have something that we shared. Uh, Dave, <laughs> what was your fifth? Uh, Dumb and Dumber, 1994, Jim Carrey, Jeff Daniels. Dumb and Dumber is exactly the kind of the kind of magic that uh, brought um, both Jeff Daniels and and Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey at that point was really starting to be really turned yeah. into his own 
Ace Ventura would come out uh, soon. The Bass came out just before. But Dumb and Dumber is so beloved because it's so stupid but <laughs> smart at the same yep. time. Because there's so much with it that you're just like, these guys can't be that dumb. And then you see how the movie kind of plays itself out. Um, it brings a lot of energy. It's a kind of a go-to for me that I continue to watch even to this day. I'm afraid to ask, but what are your thoughts on Dumb and Dumber? Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Dumb and Dumber 2. I was like, Dumb and Dumber 2 is a, is fine. It's nowhere near as good, yeah. but it's fine. But Dumb and... No. Dumb and Dumber-er should not exist. <laughs> That's just dumb. Did, I don't know who the director is, but I hope you got shot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Rich, Princess Mononoke was your fifth as well, but why? And Princess Mononoke, um, I think at the time, it was the first time I had seen an anime that was legitimately good ignoring the fact that it was an anime. So I, I watched a lot of anime at the time back then. So that was Ninja Scroll. That was Ghost in the Shell. Like I watched a lot of uh, Tenchi Muyo. The, the Fabi anime. That's what I call it. The, the, old, the old style anime. <laughs> <laughs> um, but none of the, like I, I wouldn't at that time have ever said, hey, you're a geek. You should watch anime. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I would be like, you know, what what kind of things do you like? And maybe you should watch it. But I feel like Princess Mononoke is a world class film that is good, uh, even for, or maybe even more especially for people who don't like anime. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a good break in film. And then when you get to that, you can watch Hell's Moving Castle and then say that one's your favorite. Like I yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number four was Independence Day. Um. I'm just a huge fucking Will Smith fan. And so I think I've seen every movie he's ever made except for one. And the only reason was I was planning on watching it and someone spoiled it for me. So now I have no interest in watching it. That was seven pounds. Oh, it's still a good movie though. You yeah. Check it out. I know I still need to watch it, but um, my, the person that spoiled it literally told me the ending. Oh, he does this. And I'm like, hmm. thanks. I didn't want to know that, but um, it did give us some of the best lines. Welcome to earth. And uh, and some others, and it was just a really good uh, alien movie. Um, we didn't, I mean, we had Alien and Aliens and stuff like that, um, you know, before that. But this one, you know, took the cake at that time with. Uh, I don't even want to say graphics, like you know, when the uh, the White House explodes, like that's an amazing scene and how they did it. And then when you see how they did it, it was like a little toy, like model ish. It's just awesome. Mm-hmm. I love Independence Day. I remember the toys that came out with it. And it's funny. Um, it's funny they mentioned that because on, on our show, and I'm just going to bump it real quick. We had a whole month where we did the 90s movies of all time. <laughs> and that actually made, that was that was like the first movie that we actually did. Because it is, it's so 90s. It's yep. cheesy. There's like, they, 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 they went big with it, as big as they possibly could. But sometimes the story really did not make sense. Um, and you had Jeff Goldblum in it too, so and Goldblum's in it, which is which is a <laughs> the very 90s, a very the 90s solid of the nineties. You know? <laughs> I mean, they literally wrote. Uh, think about the story. They wrote a story about an MIT engineer that comes in that that figures out a alien signal through Windows ninety five, <laughs> which is who, already so many problems there. Who at the time was currently a cable guy, right? Or was right. he doing something? He was a cable yeah. guy in New York City. And then you had, uh, uh, he had connections to the White House, of course. And then you had uh, Captain Stephen Miller, 
who is a uh, who is a pilot. I thought it was a Mac. Was it Windows ninety five? No, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it was ninety five at the time. I I could have swore that uh, I could be wrong. That the laptop was was an Apple. But even then, that's. 1990s. Oh, Apple. absolutely. Absolutely. I'm well, just saying. Don't. That explains a lot then. If it was an Apple, that's why they couldn't get everything out in time because. <laughs> um, but then you had Captain Stephen Miller, who is a uh, Marine pilot. Um, who wants to be an astronaut. Who wants to be an astronaut, whose longtime girlfriend is an exotic dancer. And Bill Pullman is president. <laughs> oh, by the way, that's, Bill Pullman. That, that's all you need to know. Um, I forgot what his name was, but uh, the guy that played the the doctor who got brainwashed or taken over. Uh, no, he st- totally lived in the second one. Yeah. He, you know, okay. Stupid. I don't know how. The, Still the, looks the same. So it's funny because I, from my list of movies, and I think from the Rotten Tomatoes list, um, none of them actually had sequels, and none of them could get sequels except for one or two. And Independence Day got a sequel, and it wasn't good. No, and it was awful. Yeah, Emmerich or uh, I think it was Emmerich who 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 made it. He literally said, "The minute I knew Will Smith was not down to do it, I should have canceled all plans." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Dave, what was your number four? Uh, it's going to be Goodfellas. All right. Nineteen ninety. Uh, in my opinion, probably the best Scorsese film. I know a lot of people say Taxi Driver, but Taxi Driver is not enjoyable. Like Taxi Driver is one of those movies you watch once and then you shower and then you say and then you say wow that was so good. Don't know if I ever if you it's like watching Joker you know over and over again. It's like after a while the FBI is just kind of tapping your your, your PlayStation that you're watching it on and they're like they're like hey what's going on man? I will use the phrase I I used to describe my entire military career for for that. It's the most fun you never want to have again. Exactly like like absolutely. At the end of the day, Ray Liotta's Henry Hill, it, 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 it's kind of a love story. It's a love story, mob story. It just so happens that that's the life that he's in. Yeah. Plus, um, it had the shortest ever Oscar acceptance speech by Joe Pesci, which was six words. He literally said, uh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. And then walked off stage <laughs> <laughs> because he Joe did Pesci's not like awesome. the Academy yeah. at the time. And so, and so, yeah. And, and, and you can tell how popular it is now because there's been a lot of hype about Irish, the Irishman, which yeah. literally just dropped. And some people really like it. Some people were like, man, I really wish this was back into Goodfellas casino days. Don't watch okay. it on your phone. If you don't want to upset the director. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't watch Marvel movies if you don't want to upset the director either. Or I'm sorry, not Marvel, but superhero movies. Well, that he doesn't want you, you to watch them anywhere. Yeah. But The Irishman, please do don't not watch, watch on your phone. phone. <laughs> watch it on an iPad, he says. He's <laughs> like, uh, watch it on a, uh, maybe a, an iPad, a big one. <laughs> I love that. That's funny. He's sold. <laughs> oh, yeah. When he says that, you're like, okay, boomer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, mine was Strange Days. I don't even think I know that one. So Strange Days is a, a movie in 1995 about the end of the millennium, so 1999. And um, there's this energy in the movie. So the movie is about these uh, people wearing squids that uh, the squids record your memories and then other people can play back those memories. And so this is like, a, it's almost like a VR experience and people get addicted to living as other people. Huh. But squids while you die is illegal. 
So, um, so it's, it's like, there's like a black market thing of, of being able to experience somebody else dying and it's pretty dark. There's like racial tension and rape and all this stuff. But the thing is like around the time I watched this movie over and over and over again, and then the FBI tapped on my window. <laughs> <and they> said, <laughs> um, but this movie has this energy about it and it's, it's so dark and so, and kind of deep. And at the time it was the beginning of the, um, I don't like the big press related, um, trials. So this was like the riots of Rodney King, which went on for days. This was the, the Loretta Bobbitt trial. This is when trials became Hollywood effectively. And, um, that's what kind of inspired this energy and this tension in 1995, uh, I was just my senior year of high school. So, um, yeah, it seemed like edgy and I don't know, totally like appealed to my high school, probably like emotional self. I'm curious. I kind of want to go watch it now. Just to see if I can find a place to actually watch it. Yeah. Amazon should. maybe. Yeah. I, I, th- I think you can watch it on Amazon. All right. My number three, um, if I didn't have a Robin Williams movie on my top nineties list, I would, I would, uh, have to shoot myself. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, one of the, I want to say all time favorite comedies from Robin Williams minus Aladdin, but I don't know if you count that one really. Absolutely. Um, I mean, he was funny in that one. It was a comedy, but yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire was hilarious. And it was the first time I think on screen that I can think of where, um, I guess cross-dressing was played out so well because he did it so well that they didn't even know it was a guy. And it was, was that before Big Mama's House? Yes, yeah, Big yeah. Mama's House came out in two thousand. Oh, okay, yeah, great. Um, Robin Williams. So yeah, plays. it was it was probably the first. I mean, it definitely not the first cross dressing no. because in the seventies they had a yeah. bunch of sitcoms and stuff. But first makeup female cross dressing thing, yep. I think. But it wasn't the best. It's, oh, cool. the best one is Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for oh, everything. Okay, because <laughs> I, we got Swayze and somehow Wesley Snipes. And Leguizamo. And Leguizamo in yeah. Dragon. It was, it was absolutely amazing and horrible, but amazing at the same yeah. time. I, I, wa- I walked in and my girlfriend watching the last half of that. And I sat down. And I was like, I'm not going to sit here and watch this shit. And then I watched the rest <laughs> of the movie and I was like, huh, it's, okay. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's not that bad. Um, but yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire is hilarious. And I think there's so many scenes in there that everybody just remembers. Um, I've seen a couple Halloween costumes where someone went as just pie face. Like they just put whipped cream in their face and they just kept walking around going, hello. (laughs) It was great. What was your, uh, what was your number three? So this is where I really started to struggle because (laughs) I could always go with the box office hits. Um, or I could go with some that, that I consider a little bit more personal for me. Um, so I went the personal route. So number three is dark city. Oh man. That's so good. (laughs) In the soundtrack. Excellent. It's so good. Connolly never looked better. I'm actually in the dark. I've never seen or heard of this movie. So Dark City kind of takes place. I mean, it does take place in an alternate universe. A guy just wakes up and all he has is like blood covered all all over him. And these guys kind of come in and they're like, they almost kind of look like like your your traditional Nosferatu. Nosferatu, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But they're not. They kind of have something uh, something about them. Um, The entire. Wait, okay. Don't give the don't no, give no, no, the spoiler. No, no, okay. no. They're, 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 the entire point of the movie is based upon a theory called Last Thursdayism. 
which is if you honestly, truly thought about all the events that you did last Thursday, you could not remember anything before that because the universe did not exist. Ah. That is what the theory is based upon. Now I'm going to let you watch the movie. Okay. I'm actually (laughs) interested in watching it. Yeah. It's dark. I will tell you that, obviously, because it is called Dark City and for a reason it is. Um, But it is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, (laughs) I'm not going to change my my number, but if you had asked me in in, 2000 what my favorite movies, it would probably have included Dark City. So is is Dark City your (laughs) 3.5? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Put it up in there. I know. There's a lot of... Like you said, top five, and I was like, "That's really hard yeah, because, yeah. like, where it, does Fight Club get in there?" You know. Anyways, <laughs> so I, I also went personal route. Um, movies that, again, even uh, even Strange Days, definitely not a box office success. Just a movie I personally really like. And for my number three, Starship Troopers. Yes, <laughs> yes. Starship Troopers <laughs> is good. It is very, very good. Um, it's the ultimate propaganda movie. It is. And, and, and Neil so, Patrick Harris. And yeah, exactly. It was Neil Patrick Harris before he was cool. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. After Doogie Hauser, but before. Does anybody even remember Doogie Hauser? Jesus Christ. Did I just date myself? He, I mean, you said it at the opening of the Tonys back in 2006. Yeah. Um, that movie is like now, even like it was so predictive of Fox news. It was so predictive of the internet and like, Oh, uh, click to learn more kind of, kind of things. But this was, this was the, this was before, like, this was like BBS's. This the internet was barely a thing. Yeah. Right. Um, it was so, so predictive of the right. Uh, I mean, obviously the movie didn't, but I mean, you could say that the movie did because it's only loosely based off the book. Actually, you'd say it's, it did a bad job yeah. compared to the book. Um, but what, is this one of those rare cases where the, the movie might've actually been better than the book in, I think in hindsight, the movie is probably better than the book, but at the time it wasn't better than yeah. the book. I don't know. <laughs> no, it wasn't, but yeah, but yeah, I kind of, I kind of agree with you on that. Just, like, just from the, from the view of now, the imagery, especially. With yeah. It. I feel like a really good job. if you took Starship Troopers and you took Idiocracy and you made someone watch them in the 1990s and said, this is what 2019 is going to be <laughs> like, they'd be like, you're stupid. And then, nope, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the last two I picked, I'm, again, I'm just one by one. Um, I looked up a list of movies that came out in the 90s. I think we all did. Yeah. Um, and I didn't I, just... I mean, most if, of mine aren't even on the list anywhere, so <laughs> I disagree with them. But um, I, I picked the, these other two because it's not only was it like, you know, ones that just stood out to me when I was looking through yeah. this list of movies, but these ones I have, you know, how I am a habitual watcher of the same movie. Yeah. And coinc- to my coincidentally, this movie is um, supposed to be habitually watched, I guess. Um, but these two I have watched well over 20, 30 times. Okay. Uh, and my number two was Groundhog Day. Very solid. Very solid. I mean, that's the found to me. That's the foundation of mo- movies and ser- like series like Dollhouse. Obviously, right? Like, yep. It's uh, there's been great episodes in Supernatural. There's been great episodes all over the place. Russian it's, Russian Doll's kind of like that too. That's right? what I mean. No, yeah. I didn't say. I said Dollhouse, but yeah. I meant Russian Doll. Yeah, sorry. 
Dollhouse is entirely something different. <laughs> and um, I truly believe that they could release a sequel to this movie and just release the same one, and <laughs> everybody would still be happy with it. I literally that, just re-release the same movie. I think there was a screenplay or something for a second, and, and Bill Murray doesn't do sequels like that. Yeah, I guess, so. uh, we actually talked about it before yeah. a long time ago that the actual can- canonical sequel to Groundhog's Day is the video game, the VR video game. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about that. But uh, when I when I told my coworkers at work that I was making this list of movies that I um, I told one of them I was like a Groundhog Day is my number two and she was like oh I could just watch that movie over and over and over again <laughs> and I was like ah, I got it uh, I heard another coworker who'd never seen it before and I was like what are you doing it's Groundhog Day watch it so good uh, but yeah that's that was I such mean, a good decade I feel for like Bill Murray other thing yeah I was gonna see other than Ghostbusters maybe I think that was Bill Murray at his best. Oops. Uh, you didn't like Scrooged? Damn, I forgot about Scrooged. I like <laughs> no, Scrooge. I like Scrooge a lot. Too. Yeah. I still might put Groundhog Day above Scrooge, but Scrooge was. I think was Bill really... Murray. Well, if we're going to say Bill Murray, it's about Stripes for me. Stripes, stripes is, is pretty good. Stripes is a personal yeah. movie for me. Yeah. My, my father. It was 80s, though, right? Yeah. It was yeah. 1980. Yeah. So, so, you know, it was like when Ramis and him first really started. They had like one of the best, one of the best, like, like gay jokes I've, I've ever heard <laughs> in that movie. I don't know. I'll have to go back and watch it now. It's been a long time since I've seen Strikes. Yeah. All right, Dave, what was your number two? This is incredibly difficult because um, this is my childhood that we're talking about <laughs> here. And uh, my number two is uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. The best of the Terminators. I... In my opinion. Mm, <laughs> that was on my list. The, the first, the first one, the first one is, is just my take it for me at this point. So, I really, I really love the second one. I really do. So I told you that the girlfriend and I have the the wall, the yeah. the I guess you could call it a wall scroll. We had the 100 movie bucket list that we scratch off, and Terminator was on there. We're like, oh yeah, let's watch this. It's been a long time since we watched it. We both got through the movie and was like, what? the fuck did we watch we didn't like it at all both of us we were like really we were shocked because i was one yeah to the first terminator i was like i remember loving terminator when i was younger what happened (sighs) i don't know why i don't like this movie and then i remembered all the parts i like about terminator and i realized all the parts i liked about terminator were terminator 2 right and not terminator i love it's tough for me. So, to so wait, what's on your second movie? Is is it Terminator Two? Yeah. Because Terminator One was nineteen eighties, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Terminator Terminator One's nineteen eighties. Okay, okay. And I actually like Terminator One better than I like Terminator Two. <laughs> and the reason why is because Terminator One was personal. Like it was such a personal story. It was like if you if you take everything out of context, this is a lady who who in in the last eighteen hours had to grow up real quick because yeah. yeah. she's about to get killed by by this impressive behemoth of a man and they could have picked a better better actor in my eyes than arnold schwarzenegger i don't think there was imposing i don't think there's literally anybody bigger than him at the time <laughs> physically bigger than him. as an actor he's mr universe i mean he was literally the he yeah was, he was he was mr olympia uh, he held the, the late world 70s. record for a long time yep. yeah so i don't know if at that time he was the biggest person but there put there would not be many humans on the planet um in that condition as, as big as him around yeah. that time. And that's why it was so impressive. It was, uh, anyway, so let me talk about T2 because, <laughs> I, because I'm giving way too much to, love to T1. T2 is what made action movies that much better. Um, everything that you've ever loved about 80s action movies, which I love a lot uh, about them, T2 took everything bigger and better. 
And when you think the movie actually ends, obviously for those who haven't seen it, is when it is uh, is when T one thousand gets frozen over. And you're like, okay, he's frozen, he's dead, he's gone. You know, that's it. Yep. And then he just kept coming back, and you're like, well, how do you beat this guy? Like, like you you you're kind of you're throwing the impossible question out there now. Um, it was Cameron at his best, in my yep. eyes. He, I, I really feel like that was. Um, that was the start of what has, has become Michael Bay movies in terms of spectacle. Yeah. I mean, and you can, you can complain about it. You can say it's, it's bad, but that was the start of the mega big action movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like because the special effects and the, um, it wasn't just, I mean, uh, Terminator one is considered a B movie by most people. It's just, it was just not a, like a, like a top tier, um, in terms of quality, that movie, everything is great. It yep. really is a is just a great, great movie. Um, probably one and of the best action movies. We're talking, what was that, early 90s? That was literally 1991. Yeah, the early 90s. And with the special effects that they had in there, that was impressive for the time. Ridiculously but impressive. There was a seven-year gap between Terminator and Terminator 2. So everybody's asking for a sequel. Just wait. It's okay. They show that a sequel can truly be just as good, if not better, than, than the first one. It's like... Have you seen T3? Yes. Dark Fate? I have seen... I've seen them all. Yes. Okay. So we've actually talked about it... Um, I think we talked about it last week. Uh, even either yeah. last week or the week before about that the, the movie bombed, but did it bomb um, be, because it was a bad movie? And I mean, I personally haven't seen it yet, but everybody I've talked to that has seen Dark Fate has been like, it was a good movie. I don't know why it didn't right. Dark so Fate well. is the official... Sequel to the official yeah. canon, yeah. Right. yeah. The other ones are basically so, so what do you think? What ifs? ifs? Uh, I really like Dark Fate. I think Dark Fate can, can do one of two things for you it can either A, end the trilogy and be a fine return of the Jedi like trilogy. And what I mean by that is that, like, it's over, it's done. There's no such thing as prequels or episode seven, eight, or nine. I'm sorry, we're saying. Or or it can serve, or it could serve as the potential sequel. But it did the one thing that I love, and 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 mind you, I'm just going to spoil the ending for you. That's but it's fine. Really, the last line. Uh, they did not actually set up to where they say, "Oh, the war, uh, this battle is over, but the war is still raging on and conti- and continuing on." Instead, they were just like. It's over, maybe, and then, that, and, then that, and then that was like it. It's like okay, so if it goes out this way, I'm cool with it going out this way. If it doesn't go out this way, then then whatever. I'm also a, a, a fan of salvation, but salvation has a lot of logic issues. I understand, um, but salvation had one of the had a the alternate ending to salvation would have really been legendary in my eyes. Um, do you guys remember salvation? I never watched Salvation. No. Okay, so, spoiler. Go ahead. Um, basically, at the end of Salvation, uh, I, you have Sam Worthington, and he is a he is a Terminator. He was literally sent back for some odd reason. You get the idea. Um, but what happens is that John Connor actually dies in the film, like legitimately dies, heart stopped, and whatnot. The tr- the ending to it is that they replace. The heart of because he still had like human parts and whatnot of Sam Worthington into John Connor because John Connor is the resistance. He continues on and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. The better ending in my eyes is <laughs> is John Connor dies 
but they do a face transplant instead of yeah. John Connor onto Sam Worthington, uh, Sam Worthington into that case. And, and the only people that know that's there. So the yeah. reason why the resistance is better is because literally a Terminator led the resistance uh, into victory. I like that. Would have been better. <laughs> Would have been better. There's but a, they didn't do it. That's okay. Yeah, there's, a, there's a couple of movies Things that happen. have alternate endings that uh, would have been... Yeah. Uh, what was your number two, Rich? So, um, first I put Terminator 2 on my number two. And I then decided that I was changing my list to be what I personally liked more. Yep. And I decided I personally liked The Matrix more. I, uh, I, I'm not... A, I like Matrix 2, Matrix 3, but... I loved The Matrix, and I watched that. I actually watched that in theater like three times. Yep. And um, Rich is not a habitual yeah, movie watcher. I, I do not like to watch <laughs> movies more than once, generally. Um, but man, at the time, like, so I, I played a role playing game called Mage of the Ascension, and I totally thought when I was watching the movie that this was inspired from Mage of the Ascension. <laughs> it's not at all, and doesn't. It's like once you get more than halfway through the movie. Like it's absolutely just yeah. not at all. But, um, there is a faction in mage, the Ascension that kind of still feels like it kind of is. They have, um, the men in black agents kind of people and stuff like that. Super cool. And, um, I just remember at the time, I, I think like we're cynical now that we look back, but at the time, the whole world was just like, this is crazy. Yeah. Like you got to watch this movie. And at the time it had probably one of the most expensive and hardest special effects scenes to pull off ever. Yeah. And it's still one of the ones that people try and recreate and never really do very well. The, they're uh, the wire um, action scenes that where they tilt the camera all mm-hmm. the way around it, you know, kind of thing. Um, that's the model they teach that in, in film schools and stuff. They're like, this is, you know, this is a way to do this kind of cool thing to really highlight what's going on and yep. let you see this like 360 view. It's yeah. I think it's super cool. Well, I guess I'll just continue on. Number one for me was the matrix. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was my number one movie. Um, I actually worked at a movie theater and, uh, at the time when the matrix came out and I remember seeing that movie several times cause it was free for me to go see it. And, uh, I, I remember going back and seeing it again and again and again. And then I remember when two and three came out, we actually had a Christian group come in uh, specifically on three uh, revolutions. And they, they did an entire analysis of um, is, is Neo Jesus. And it was, it was interesting to see the correlations and everything that they made. Um, obviously he's not it's not the same thing. But <laughs> Obviously, he's yeah. not Jesus. Obviously, he's not Jesus. But it was cool. Like, you know, in Matrix 3, it was, uh, I'm blind and now I can see because he got his eyes burned out. I did a whole thing where I was like, is he Gilgamesh? You know, Babylonian religion, long before guy dies for humanity, comes back. Yep. Oh, but no, people, just watch the movie, enjoy it. <laughs> and on that, watching the first one, I think even even today you can watch it and still enjoy it. and this is a movie that's over almost 20 years old now right or probably over actually it is over 20 years it's old. over 20 years old now 1999 and you can still enjoy it um the computers might not be the same because we have uh slightly more advanced computers but the idea no. is out and actually i still see theories and and psychologists saying that are we living in a you know in a thing because oh, of yeah. the matrix if you if they were to film matrix again they wouldn't update the computers yeah, just leave them. because the matrix is a 
recreation of our world at a very specific time period that they think it's easy to manage humans. Yep. So they wouldn't want to give us VR and stuff like that where we would think too much about is this real or not. Yeah. I think, and, I mean, I mean, I'm super excited, but also a little worried about Matrix Four and what to expect out of that. So, I'm not excited. <laughs> <laughs> There's no excitement. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was my number one movie of the '90s. I think again, I think I've seen that movie probably well over 20 times now. Now it's no Scott Pilgrim level for me. You don't you don't know me as well. I've seen Scott Pilgrim well over 120 times. I'm <laughs> I'm about halfway. <laughs> I love that I, movie so I much. I love that movie also. All right, so what do we have for your number one movie, Dave? My number one movie is another Keanu Reeves uh, film, um, but this one's going a little bit of the of the difference. It is Point Break. Oh, I, I was hoping you were going to say Point Break. <laughs> I was uh, going to say Bill and Ted, but I don't think that's a nineties movie. <laughs> no, it is. Oh, okay. uh, uh, Excellent Adventure was eighty eight. Bogus Journey was ninety one. Gotcha. Um, Point Break. Here's why I love Point Break, because Point Break was the first introduction to bromance. Uh, it had it had everything it had everything for the makings of a bad movie and a way too overcommitted actor because Swayze <laughs> in that film overcommits to the role and he is insane and you are feeling it you're like you're like yeah Bodie like like yeah like life is whatever man like let's <laughs> rob banks and surf you know like like let's do that. Um, it, uh, it 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 was a phenomenal piece of of. Of, uh, of writing uh, along with it. It was directed by Catherine Bigelow, who was the ex-wife of James Cameron at the time. Hmm. And uh, one thing that I absolutely love, there's obviously logic issues with it, but they had they had everything you can imagine with it. They had kind of the hot chick with Lori Petty. They had Keanu, who was not quite ready for that kind of a starring role yet. And you can tell by some of by some of the lines that, that, that was out there. You had Bodhi, who was overcommitted. You had uh, Gary Busey, before he went absolutely insane, <laughs> become the most likable cop and the worst cop in, in, in existence. But he was amazing. Um, I love this movie dearly. Uh, it really is the introduction to bromance because, yeah, you, you saw the chemistry between Laurie Petty and Keanu, but there was way more chemistry between Keanu and uh, Swayze at the time. Um Fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Do not watch a remake. Don't, don't, no. Don't if do you, that to If yourself. you're going to watch anything that has a remake, I always suggest watching the first one first. Watch it first. I agree. And then if you want to watch the remake, do that and then judge it horribly because remakes are usually not done very well. Right. I, don't, I mean, sometimes the, the movies that we think are the iconic best ones are actually a remake, a remake of one from like the 60s or 70s. So, of course, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... That's why I said usually. Yeah. Usually they're not good. So my number one, and this is my favorite movie of all time, Shawshank Redemption. Interesting. I love this movie. Um, Morgan Freeman, Tim Robbins. It's actually another bromance movie. <laughs> there's no females or very few females. Uh, there's a picture of a female. Um, plays an important role in the, in the film. Um, it's a Stephen King movie which a lot of people don't know. And I think the best Stephen King movies are the movies where basically nobody talks about the fact that this is a Stephen King movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just so good. So it's just, it's just me. It's so serious. And there's not, there's like a little bit of comedy, but it's mostly like dry, dry wit. Um, and, uh, and it's deep. 
and it's intense and it, it, uh, it makes you feel for these, these characters and actors and stuff. So, so Shawshank is actually on my bucket list to watch. Uh, oh my the, gosh. hundred movie bucket list. I still haven't seen it yet, but it is definitely on my Fair. list that I'm scratching off. Fair enough. Um, and actually a coworker was like, if you have to talk about Shawshank and you've never seen it, you should be like, just go off the walls. Like, yeah, it's my favorite vampire <laughs> movie of all time. And just keep going until your, your co-hosts are like, you haven't seen it, have you? <laughs> but no, I haven't seen it yet. I, again, it is one of those movies. It's Morgan I Freeman. I, I wanted. I, I actually suggested watching it with my girlfriend uh, several times now. But the only issue we have is that it's so long, and we try and get it in. You know, we try and get a movie yeah. in a night. But you know, when you come home from work, then you cook, and then you're like, okay, now I'm going to watch a movie, and your movie's three hours long. You're like, geez, I don't know if I can do that. I I feel like it's it's got some intense emotional scenes because it's like it really helps you feel what life in prison can be like Mm -hmm. not all prisons are like this um i come from some some people um not all prisons are like that but some prisons especially in the south could be like that and there's some rough moments i think that i think your girlfriend will uh I think she'd cry. I think yeah. there's some some times where she'd cry, and just the unfairness. It's, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I think you learn in the first five minutes that this person is um, put in prison, and he's innocent, and and everybody says, "Well, everybody's innocent here," but you know that um, is he innocent? <laughs> You're like, hold on, let me think. Wait. Um, yeah, yeah, he's innocent. Yep. That, that's an interesting segue. I mean, we're still going to talk about Rotten Tomatoes Top 5, but okay. we do have a plan on your podcast when we're going to um, go over to your podcast about another movie about someone who was imprisoned and is innocent, and there's superpowers in it too. So, Yes, there is. <laughs> um, if you guys want to know what that is, uh, go over to Dave's podcast next. Or Well, I don't know when it's going to drop. I think a week and a half, so, two weeks. So our podcast drops uh, every Thursday. Okay. So in, in next Thursday, not this coming one, but when the Game Awards come out, you can also listen to the uh, the podcast where we're going to be talking about um, a really long road that is a color. And I'm trying not to spoil it too much, but I should have <laughs> gave it away. Pretty, pretty interesting. It's a measurement <laughs> that's a bit... Verdant, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a measurement that's a bit hulkish. Um, okay, so the last thing we want to talk about was Rotten Tomatoes top five, and surprisingly, only one of the movies out of the 15 we've talked about well, I guess 13 because we had some doubles um, was on this list. So the fifth on Rotten Tomatoes was The Big Lebowski, and I fucking love that movie. It is a great <laughs> the, movie. The Big Lebowski yeah, is great. I, I do too. Um, I've, now that I'm older, I've tried to play a drinking game with it. It's drink a white Russian whenever he drinks a white Russian, and uh, you can't make it through the, You're either going to throw up from the dairy he, or you're just going to get too drunk. He made me love white Russians. <laughs> yes. I will say that. I, I do drink white Russians now because of him. I feel like that movie is what helped convince John Goodman to quit from Roseanne. Um, and be a be an actual like be an actor, but then he wasn't actually a very successful actor. I mean, he's a great actor. But he is a great actor, but he didn't get as many roles as I think he thought he was going to do. Like a lot of people leave TV shows and think, "Yeah, I've I've done it." He's, he's done a few. You he's know, done but, a few. But you're right. Yeah. Like at, like after Roseanne, like it just it didn't take off. Yeah, it just kind of stayed steady. I yeah. feel like too, if if you're a fan of The Big Lebowski and you're trying to explain it to somebody else, it's 
probably one of the hardest movies to explain about what's going on, but also one of the easiest. Because you can literally just say it's about a dude in his rug. And that is the entire movie. I literally just told you the entire movie. <laughs> I'm kind of excited for the sequel to it. I didn't know there was going to be a sequel to it. There, it's totally about it's totally about Jesus. Oh, that's right. No, you're right. I did I did hear about <laughs> that. Yeah, the Jesus the Bowler. Yeah, um, and they got back to Turo for it. That's awesome. <laughs> um, the next one, number four on this list, is um, maybe slightly longer than Shawshank Redemption, but three hours and fifteen minutes. Okay, yeah, it was a really long ass movie. Uh, Titanic is number four, and. And it's 187 time use of Jack and Rose. Jack, <laughs> Rose, 187 times. Inu Yasha, <laughs> um, You should play a drinking game with that oh, one. See how far God. you get. <laughs> I've seen that movie one time. That was enough. It was a good movie. It was a good movie. It's a movie I didn't want to see. Um, I, oh, I feel like I had the same issue with it that everybody else did. Uh, I mean, the Titanic sank. We all know that. You're trying. They're trying to put you in the perspective of a couple, and you know you're trying to live their life through them. Sure. Yeah. Um, but the scene at the end, there's absolutely there was enough room on that damn more than enough room that damn door to they where he didn't have to like, float in the water. They could have had like a third child <laughs> and then like half a midget. You know. And actually, like myth. I think Mythbusters did that too. They, they did. They did the <laughs> they door did. and they were like, "Look how much room there is. Why the hell are you in the water?" <laughs> So that was the only issue I had with the movie, but the movie is really good. I like, uh, uh, I'm a big fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson. He, and he had a whole huge thing on it. Like somebody like brought it up to him that he was like, he was like, I'm not so upset about that. I'm upset that the fact that, that we knew the positions of the stars that was there that day. And all he did was carbon copy it. He goes, that's where I was upset about. And I was like, (laughs) That's a good thing to be upset about. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, no, but Titanic really was a good movie that had um, a lot of powerful scenes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, um, that, that movie actually affected me in a, in a way I never thought it would, it would affect me. Um, you when I was on a boat? I was actually on a cruise. I've actually been on uh, two cruises. Uh, actually, three cruises, now that I think about it. I worked on two of them. Um, actually, one of the ones that I, I went to go work for Agilisys, um, that one took me to Cherbourg for a day, which is actually where Titanic left port for the first time. Um, so it was really crazy to be like, whoa, this movie that I saw and this history, I'm here. Like it started here. Now that's cool. It was, it was crazy. I like that story. Um, next, uh, next up, number three, it's a Disney movie. And I think it's one of the most popular Disney movies of all time. Lion King. Um, and it's a movie that some people believe should not have been remade. <laughs> I, I agree. Personally, think it was all right. Maybe it shouldn't have been remade. It was. All I didn't right, watch though. it because I just prefer to pretend that a scene for scene remake of anything doesn't need to exist, and I don't need to watch it. <laughs> I mean, I would have been totally happy with a Lion King re envisioning. Yeah. Sure. Okay. By all means, let's have fun with it. But it so, wasn't. It's a scene for scene remake. It takes place in Wakanda, and <laughs> sorry, that's, that's uh, Panther King, not Lion King. Uh, I mean, what's there to say about Lion King? It was a great movie. The movie, the, the is, soundtrack is amazing. Super what Macbeth or Hamlet? I'm mixing those two up. Uh, I think it was. Macbeth. I think it was Macbeth. Yeah, Macbeth. Yeah, because it's the, very Macbethian. You know. Yep. So nothing too crazy in terms of the storyline. Uh, the remake is horrible. Um, <laughs> the remake. The remake is horrible because there's no life. There until yeah. Timon and Pumbaa. Yep. 
That's fair. I mean, come on, Scar, Scar and Lion King was was gay Jeremy Irons. He was amazing. And <laughs> you know what? Would I just really push back? Because they say, well, okay, they wanted to make it realistic like animals, and that's why they don't have any like emotions and, and whatever. And I'm like, but the internet is filled, literally filled with all kinds of real animals that are showing very, they, and they might all be like fake emotions because they're not, they're not humans and we just personify yeah. things. But if we can personify a real panther or a real ape or a real whatever, why couldn't they just take those same internet scenes that are like, you know, you, 10 million views on YouTube and you've just, seen scenes of dogs smiling. You yes, know that they can smile. So, I know they can smile. <laughs> so big cats can smile too. Um, yeah, no, they could have made it amazing. They, they could have. I still think a scene for scene remake doesn't exi- need to exist. I, I don't think it was as bad as some people say, but I also believe it didn't need to be remade. I don't think there should have ever been Disney remakes in the first place. It's just a cash um, Yeah. I'm trying to yeah. think of any of the ones. I, so I've seen Beauty and the Beast. I've seen Lion King. I think that's the only ones I've seen. Neither of them were, were necessary. I'm I mean, kind of looking forward to Mulan. Personally, Mulan's interesting only because it's the drastic change. Exactly. The drastic change and making it because, um, here, here's the thing. He, he's saying no, no remakes, but these are not Disney movies. These are, these are, these are Disney movies, but not Disney stories. Yes. These are stories that belong to the planet, right? Art that's out of copyright, whatever. This is stories that belong to the planet. Um, and these are not the first envisionings of these stories and they're not going to be the last 500 years from now. They'll probably have another little mermaid or something might not be Disney. It's fine. I think it's totally legit. And that Mulan could be, I don't know if it is or not. Nobody knows, but it could be just another of many envisionings of this Chinese story. And I'm okay with that. Yep. I would be more interested, I think in seeing like a dark Disney, which would, that would never happen because Disney Disney is never dark. Um, but like them doing all these stories that they've done, Little Mermaid, Cinderella, Snow White, but doing them after stories, like scene for scene after stories they were made from, because none of the stories that they took the inspiration from ended um, well, they, nicely. Well, they did not Disney tried to do that, but they tried to see how how if there was basically a market for it with uh, uh, the Brothers Grimm. Yeah. You know. They try to see, okay, how interested are people with it? I'm, I just, think there's a lot of people interested. I just think Brothers Grimm didn't do it No, right. it, it, it didn't do that well. <laughs> to to kind of piggyback off what you said, yeah, when it comes to the stories of the planet and getting those stories, yes, I 100% agree with you. Those stories will be retold. There's a great way to retell, mm-hmm. a great way to retell those stories. Um, I don't believe in shot-for-shot remakes because I hate that idea because it's just a cash grab. I also don't. I, I would rather have see. I, I think of like, like Cinderella, right? Is is pretty classic. They but they've done different versions of that mm-hmm. story. Uh, a good example is Ever After. Yep. Ever After yep. was actually a very good movie I enjoy it. Um, that had that kind of took a popular star. The best version of it though was uh, was uh, Brandy and Whitney Houston's version of Cinderella, which had enough difference to it where that was and that's why i agree with it but if it's going to be disney shot for shot or it's like disney but it's the same exact story or it's like disney but it's the same exact story but we just want to show you how terrible people are which is exactly what beauty and the beast is then no i'm not interested what's worse about it is is not only is it shot for shot remakes but it's the same company (laughs) like 
You know why I have a problem Disney's with Disney's shot shot remakes. You know, you know my biggest problem with Beauty and the Beast more than anything. It's the fact that they introduced this whole idea of them being able to travel to another location uh, by going into this room, and that she had access to this room whenever. Why did you just go back immediately? Then why not just say, "Okay, we're in the asylum. Father, take my hand. We're back in the castle." <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're done. Story's over. That was easy. Okay, bye. Uh, yeah, Lion King, killer Disney movie. Killer, um, it, it was on my list too. Yeah, I, I it was on. I had it. I couldn't agree, and I decided that it wasn't in my top five. <laughs> my little brother watched that movie every single day, multiple day. Like I did uh, that with Aladdin. Yeah. When I was growing up, it was Aladdin for me. I just loved. Uh, Robin Williams. <laughs> uh, number two, Shawshank Redemption. So, um, yeah, Paul, uh, Rotten Tomatoes thinks Shawshank Redemption was the second best movie of the 90s. And uh, I guess I'll find out why when I go there watch go. it one of these days. It's, it is fantastic. Yep. Uh, and number one was Pulp Fiction. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, Rich, because I, I feel I think we've talked about Tarantino before. I fucking love Tarantino movies. I don't, but that's my favorite Tarantino movie. That's fair. Uh, um, I think mine's Django. But. I'm actually surprised. Now that I think about it, I'm, I'm surprised that nobody here put Pulp Fiction on their top five. Actually, the only one that, that I was considering, if I was going to go the blockbuster version yeah, instead yeah. of personal, uh, Pulp Fiction likely would have taken number five for me. Number three would have been Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jurassic Park was another dude. That's, again, another Jeff Goldblum movie. Right, just, exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and he's not and, even the main star. And, and here's the thing. Like, like when we start talking about Independence Day and, like, I'm sitting there and you're like, and Jeff Goldblum's in it. And I was like, man, I really want to put Jurassic Park on there now. But I was like, but Dark City, I, I can't. You I made can't the right call. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, Pulp Fiction is fantastic. It's really is. It, in, in a way, the best Tarantino film. Um it's really what revived Samuel Jackson's and John Travolta's career. Yeah, um, and there was they dealt with a lot of issues in that movie that other movies wouldn't go near at that time. I don't think. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I'm 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 with you here when it comes to Tarantino films. I I really appreciate Tarantino. He is definitely not one of my favorite directors. Like, <laughs> like I'm kind of all over the place with so, him. So I haven't seen. Um, oh God, what's the new one? Once Hollywood. Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, Once Upon a Time. That's the only one I haven't seen. Um, if I was going to make a list of Tarantino movies uh, very quickly, my absolute favorite is Django Unchained. That's actually strange. That's actually one of my most favorite movies of all time, not just of Tarantino. Very strange. It's right underneath Scott Pilgrim for me. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about Django, but um, and I mean, then, Leo does a fantastic job, and so does Waltz. It, it's Christoph Waltz that does it for yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, and then the next one under that was uh, Hateful Eight, actually. I did not like it <laughs> because hateful a is basically we're in a room and everybody is an awful person. Yeah. Root for one of them. No, no. I mean, okay. wasn't it, sit there for three hours. Wasn't that, Fine. wasn't that, uh, wasn't that reservoir dogs though? It's the same thing, right? No, but reservoir dogs, you reservoir dogs. Michael Madsen was, was pure evil. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but you couldn't take his eyes off of him. Yeah. And this one, I was like, I don't, everybody is evil in this. I don't really care. When I I watched the big special edition uh, Hateful Eight and the was seventy millimeter film whatever it was uh, the special film thing with the intermission and everything, and when we got to the very end of the movie, some guy behind me is like, "What? No sequel?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Everybody's fucking dead." <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, that's the Rotten Tomatoes top five. But uh, Pulp Fiction, 
you know that I'm thinking about it. It's it's still not my top five, but I'm thinking about scenes from it. And my girlfriend hasn't seen it yet. So she has no idea what she's in for when she's watching this movie. She did see Reservoir Dogs and she's like, oh, I don't want to have to watch Pulp Fiction now. I'm like, they're two different movies. Completely different. Especially because she's going to be lost throughout most of the movie because she's <laughs> not going to know what scenes coincide with what. Yeah. Tarantino does this very famous Tarantino-ing around. I think my favorite around. Tarantino is Inglorious Bastards. Oh, that's a good one, too. That I is a good one. About that one. I, the, really, the I really, really enjoy that movie. It wouldn't make any of my lists, but it's a good movie. Right. Yeah. I, I There's only one line from that movie that you ever need to remember, and that's killing Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> and I want my scouts. <laughs> uh, okay, so that was our top five movies of the 90s and Rotten Tomatoes. Um, if you guys disagree with us, let us know. But I also want to point out that we're always right, so... You can say that you disagree with us. Just remember that we're on. I'm just kidding. People are going to be like, what the? F-? Uh, and yeah, that's the end of the show. Uh, we appreciate you coming on, Dave. Thank you so much. I really yeah. greatly appreciate you guys. It was great. And we can't wait here. to do your show. about it's be the, a lot uh, of fun. The Verde Mile. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that didn't give it away. The about, about, the about 2,500 meters, <laughs> you know, and a Viridian is a, is a good word to use here. <laughs> the Viridian 2,500 feet. Or 5280? It's 5280. Oh my gosh. If that one didn't give it away, then um, I don't even know without actually just saying it. Uh, But yeah, that's the show, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you so much.